Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. sermon series that I want you to help me with, okay? The title of this sermon series is simply, What Does the Bible Say About? And then I want you to fill in the blank, okay? Now, I'm going to start, and I'm going to share with you in just a moment what I'm going to be speaking about today, uh, but I want some feedback from you. you should, everybody should have sermon notes. Uh, if you do not have a, a sermon note, raise your hand, and our guys will get those to you. And we got, we got a lot of folks that don't have them. Maybe we need several guys to help pass these out. So... Everyone, be sure you get, um, get your sermon notes this morning. Hold your hand up so they know who to get these to, okay? Now, we've got this whole section right here uh, that needs them, okay? And all my contact information is on there. I mean, email, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, uh, church office, telephone, whatever. It's all on there, and I want some feedback from you. Maybe you've had some questions in your life about, I wonder what the Bible says about this. I want to hear that, okay? Now, some of the topics I'll take an entire sermon on. Some of them I'm maybe short to address, and I'll get two or three in, in one sermon. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested to hear what you are curious to what the Bible has to say about, okay? Now, I'm going to spend several months on this because... This sermon series is going to be broken up with a lot of different things. Obviously, next Sunday is family day, but it's also Mother's Day, right? So uh, we'll be dealing with that, and it will be family Sunday, and we will be talking about uh, Mother's Day. So that's, that's next Sunday. The following Sunday, we're recognizing all of our graduates, high school and college grads, and uh, so I may have um, something along these lines, but maybe something more to help direct directed more towards these graduates, uh, and then we'll be back on this series, and then we're going to hit our family Sunday again, and so we're just going to kind of coast through the summer uh, as we head into the summer uh, on this, this topic and this, uh, this sermon series. So I need to hear back from you. Several, I think, have already put a few posts on uh, Facebook in response to what I shot out there, uh, so I want to hear back from you. So send me an email, private message, if you don't want everybody to know what your topic is. Just send um, an email to me or a private message of, of some sort. And I'm curious to know what it is that you may be curious to know what the Bible has to say about. Okay? So that's going to be this sermon series. Get it? All right, good. So we will continue to move forward with that. And Phil, you've got it real easy back there today. Because I am going to unload so much scripture on you today and really give you a lot of reference, reference points. And I put most of them in your sermon notes. Uh, so you should have all the references of Scripture that I'm going to be talking about today in your sermon notes. And today I want to talk to you on simply what does the Bible have to say about heaven? 
Okay? And I want to unpack that a little bit. Now, this is not going to be an exhaustive um, sermon by any means. I'm obviously not going to say everything that the Bible has to say about heaven. But I'm going to give you a panoramic view and a few things to get you thinking about what would take place and what heaven will be like and what will be there, what will not be there. And we're going to try to unpack some of that. Okay? So uh, today we're going to be talking about what does the Bible say. Now, Now, I want you to pay attention. I'm not going to tell you what I think, okay? I'm not going to tell you what my opinions may be. And this is on any topic. I'm going to tell you simply what does the Bible say. So if I don't have chapter and verse for it, I'm not going to say it, okay? What I'm going to share with you is what's mentioned in Scripture. Now, you can unpack it however you want to unpack it. You can interpret it however you want to interpret it. But I'm simply just going to tell you what the Bible says about All of these topics that we're going to be dealing with, okay? So I'm looking forward to uh, jumping into this. Today we're going to talk a little bit about heaven and what does the Bible have to say about heaven, okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then uh, we'll jump right into this. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time together today and thank you for bringing Kristen home safely and and all of our troops that have been traveling and we thank you, Lord, for, for that and Uh, Lord, we ask that you continue to protect our men and women serving overseas and around the country. Watch over them. We pray, Lord, you meet with us today and that you open up our hearts and our minds and our ears and help us to understand what it is that you want us to understand about what the Bible has to say about all of these different topics that we deal with really on a daily basis in our life and that we may think about. Today we're going to talk about heaven, a wonderful place, and we're so looking forward to that day. And and help us to to dig into Scripture to see exactly what it is that Scripture has to say about heaven. And Lord, if there's any here today that have not made preparation for that place, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. Today will be the day that they prepare their hearts and their lives for that prepared place that you've gone to prepare for us, that place called heaven. We ask your blessings on our time together today. Speak to our hearts. Give us spiritual discernment, Lord, that only you can give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I read the story about a, uh, a lady that was diagnosed with a terminal illness. She had only been given about three months to live. And so she called her pastor in and wanted to go over all the arrangements for her funeral with her pastor. So he goes to her house and visits her, and she tells him everything that she wants in this service. Everything from the outfit she's going to wear, to her favorite Bible that she wants in her hand, to the songs that she wants sung, to the scriptures that she wants to be read. I mean, she just goes over everything with him. And he sits there with her for some time and has prayer with her, and then he starts to walk out the door. Well, he got almost to the door, and she said, Pastor, Pastor, oh my goodness, there's one more very important thing that I forgot to tell you. She said, also, in my right hand, I want you to put a fork. I want the fork in my right hand. I want the Bible in my left hand and a fork in my right hand. And he was somewhat puzzled, and she could tell by the look on his face that he really didn't understand why she wanted the fork in her right hand. She said, listen, I've lived my whole life in church. And I know that whenever we do church, that we have these things called fellowships. And by the way, you know what is synonymous with fellowship, casserole, right? 
so the casserole is there and the food is there and uh, and every time we get together and eat and when they start cleaning the dishes and putting the main course away when they clear the table someone will always say hey keep your fork because the best is yet to come now in her heart and her mind she was thinking about oh it's that chocolate cake that's going to be coming or it's that deep dish apple pie that's hot with a little bit of ice cream on it that we're going to eat after the main meal And she said, I want you to put this fork in my right hand, and as folks go by the casket, I know they're going to be puzzled, and they're going to ask themselves, why does she have the fork in the right hand? And then whenever you get up to preach my service at my funeral, I want you to tell them that the best is yet to come for those that know Jesus as their Savior, right? So I want you to know that the best is yet to come. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about heaven, right? Sometimes we think about the best is here, that now is the really all that we have. But I just want you to know that this is just a preparation phase for the best that's yet to come. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that best that's yet to come really is. So take out your sermon notes and follow along with me. And I want to try to dig down in here a little bit and share with you some things about what the Bible says heaven will be like and what heaven really is now the first thing i want you to see whenever we look in scripture in second corinthians chapter 12 and verse number two the apostle paul says this he says i know a man in christ who was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago and whenever he was in the body or whether he was out of the body i don't know only god knows but the reference i want you to see here is that in scripture there are three heavens that are mentioned okay So what are those three heavens? Phil, you are on it, son. He's got this. I didn't do that. He just now did that on the fly. So good job. I like that. Good job. I'm in awe. That's really good. I know a man in Christ who was called up into the third heaven 14 years ago. So scripture mentions these three heavens. Okay, the first heaven I want you to see and jot this one down in your note. It's it's simply the atmosphere. It's the atmospheric heaven, if you will. Now, the atmosphere is where the birds fly. It's where the clouds pass through. It's the jet that brought my baby girl home from Afghanistan all the way to St. Louis flew in. That's that first heaven, okay? And Scripture talks about that, and there's several passages of Scripture that I put in your notes, and I'm not going to read all of these, but in Jeremiah chapter 4, in verse number 25, Scripture says, I looked, and no man was left, and all the birds of the sky... Had fled. That's that atmospheric heaven that's mentioned in Scripture. And several other references there, and I put those in your notes, talk about the atmosphere. But there's a second type of a heaven. It's this stellar heaven. This is the heaven, the next layer of heaven. This is the heaven that contains the sun and the moon and the stars and the such. And Scripture mentions that in Genesis 15 and Deuteronomy 4 and Psalm 8. But in Isaiah 13 in verse number 10, it says, Indeed, the stars of the sky and its constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark when it rises and the moon will not shine. That's talking about that stellar heaven that is there. Okay, outer space, if you will, where the sun and the moon and the galaxies and the such are. But then scripture talks about a third heaven. 
Okay? So we have the atmospheric heaven, then we have the stellar heaven, and then we have this third heaven. This is the heaven that the Apostle Paul was referencing in 2 Corinthians. Whenever he was talking about there was a man that went there and he didn't know if he was dead or alive or what all was taking place, only God knows, but went to this third heaven. And this is what the Bible calls this third heaven. This is where God is. Okay, this is paradise. This is where the saints of God actually will go to await even their resurrected bodies. And then we'll be ushered into that new heaven that scripture talks about. So I just want you to see the three different heavens that is mentioned in scripture. So now my next question is, what do we really know about heaven? What does the Bible really say about heaven? First of all, I want you to know, oftentimes you'll see the artist that paints this stairway to heaven. There really isn't a stairway anywhere in Scripture really mentioned about a stairway to heaven. There's only one way to heaven, and you do know that one way, right? Jesus said there's only one way in John 14 and verse 6. Tell it to me. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father Except by me. So there's really only one way to get to this heaven. But what does the Bible tell us about heaven? Matter of fact, the Bible tells us quite a bit. It tells us quite a bit about heaven. The first thing I want you to see is that in heaven, there are windows in heaven. Now, I'm not making this up. I'm just going to give you chapter and verse for scripture that references windows in heaven. Okay. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10, it says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food for my temple. And if you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to receive it. So he's talking about the windows of heaven can be opened up and blessings can be poured out. But guys, do you know what? In addition to blessings being poured out of this window, there's also reference in Scripture in Isaiah chapter 24 and verse number 18 that sometimes curses are poured out of the windows of heaven. And you can read that reference in Isaiah 24 and 18. It says, whoever flees at the sound of terror will fall into a pit, and whoever escapes from the pit will be caught in a snare, for the windows are open from above, and the foundations of the earth are shaken. Okay? So sometimes there are blessings... Hopefully there's far more blessings coming out this window into your life than there are curses that are coming out. But the windows of heaven, I just want you to see that they are there in heaven. The second thing I want you to see, not only are there windows in heaven, but there's also a door in heaven. And John tells us this in his revelation in Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1. Scripture says, and after this I looked and there in heaven was an open door. And the first voice that I heard Speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So there's reference to a door into this heaven. Of course, Jesus also said in scripture that I am what? The door, right? He is that door, that entryway into heaven. But I want you to notice there's something else in Revelation 4. Thank you, Phil. I want you to look at the latter part of this verse. It says, come up here. You realize that every reference of heaven in Scripture is upward, right? There's really not a reference of Scripture being down. The reference of Scripture always is upward. And I just want to throw that in there because right there is a case in point, chapter and verse, where it's come up hither and I will show you what is yet to come. So we see that in heaven there's also a door. The third thing I want you to see in heaven, there's also a throne, 
And there's also a throne in heaven. Now, this is all of Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. And you can unpack that and read that for yourself. And there you'll see all that's transpiring and taking place around the throne that is in heaven. Now, I realize it's really difficult for our finite minds to get a hold of this infinite, magnificent, majestic heaven and throne that is there but there's a throne in heaven. I just want you to see the basics here of what I'm talking about. In Psalm 11, in verse number 4, the scripture says, The Lord in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. And his eyes watch and he examines everyone. Around this throne, scripture talks about this sparkling rainbow. It talks about 24 elders that are clothed in white glistening garments. It talks about the pure crown of gold that are on their heads. There's thunder, there's lightnings around this throne. There's seven lamps of fire that's burning around the throne. So what a magnificent picture that we see of this throne in heaven. But there's something else I want you to see about heaven. The tree of life is in heaven. In Revelation 22, 2 and 14 and verse number 19, there you'll find references to the tree of life. And on this tree, I want you to see that it bears 12 different kinds of fruit each and every month. And the leaves are for the healing of the nation. So the tree of life is there in heaven. Also, the river of life. I hope you're getting these notes down. You can study this more in depth yourself, and I'm giving you a great study guide here. But not only is the tree of life there, but also the river of life is there. In Revelation 22 and verse 1 through 2, it says the river of life and talks about how it's flowing out from under the throne. Pure water of life that's flowing there. The river of life is in heaven. There's something else that's in heaven. Streets of gold. Did you guys enjoy looking at all the mud and dirt and cold patch that was put in on our concrete where they had to dig that up? Listen, this is not going to be good English, but I want you to get it. There ain't going to be no cold patch in heaven. Are you with me? Only streets of gold are going to be in heaven. I read the story of a very, very wealthy man here in this earth, and he was somewhat saddened that he wasn't going to be able to take all of his wealth with him to heaven. And so he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he, he prayed and really wanted to take his wealth with him. And an angel came to him one day and said, listen, you're not taking any wealth with you to heaven. You're not taking anything. And he looks at the angel and he says, will you please just go talk to God and see if I can bring one suitcase, just one thing with me to heaven. So the angel leaves. This is, this is, this is just a story, right? You understand, right? This is not chapter and verse. This is just an illustrative story. I want you to get the point here. So an angel goes to God and asks God if he can bring one suitcase with him to heaven. God says, all right, all right, I'll make an exception. He can bring one suitcase to heaven. So he he goes back, the angel goes back and talks to him and says, yes, you can bring one suitcase to heaven. And the wealthy man got very excited about that. And so he starts packing, getting ready for death, and starts packing his suitcase. And he goes and he cashes in all his money and he buys gold, bars of gold. And he puts it in this suitcase. And when he dies, he goes and he stands before the pearly gates and he's wanting to enter in. They said, oh, you can come in, but you can't bring the suitcase. Nobody can bring anything into heaven. He said, oh, no, no, God made an exception for me. I can bring in one suitcase, he said. And so they looked through the books and they said, oh, yeah, God made one exception for this guy. He can bring in one suitcase. You can bring it in, but we've got to examine what's in the suitcase before I let you go any further. 
He said, oh, it's all my wealth. It's everything that I have. It's beautiful. It's expensive. It's elaborate. It's mine. It's wealth. They open up the suitcase and he said, I can't believe you brought pavement. We pave our streets with this stuff. Right? But there are going to be, can you imagine? Can you imagine these streets of gold that are going to be in heaven? It's going to be a magnificent, amazing, beautiful place. Something else I want you to see, there's gates of pearl. Now, one solid pearl gate. Right? And in this life, we only know pearls as little, tiny, small things. But in heaven, there's going to be, and you'll see this in Revelation 21, and verse number 21, and John looks around, he sees these 12 gates of pearl. There's three on the north side of the city of heaven. There's three on the south. There's three on the east, and there's three on the west. Solid pearl gate in heaven. Is that not amazing? Is it not amazing that we pave our streets in heaven with gold? That's the pavement there. It's not amazing that the tree of life is there, that the river of life is there. There's windows, there's doors, there's 12 gates of one solid pearl each. Three on the north, three on the south, three on the east, three on the west. That's there in heaven. But you know the greatest thing that's there? This is what I want you to get more than anything. The greatest thing that's in heaven is Jesus. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one that we are going to be laying our crowns around his feet. The one that we're going to be worshiping. The one that we're going to be singing this new song to. And you read Revelation 4 and Revelation 5 and and follow. And you'll see all that's transpiring around the throne as we're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And do you realize that there'll be no weeping there? Now those, what I've mentioned are things that are going to be there. But you know also there's going to be some things that are not going to be in heaven. There's going to be no weeping in heaven. There's going to be no crying. There's no tears. There's no death. There's no sorrow. There's no pain. There's no night there. There's no curse there. There's no hunger there. There's no thirst there. I mean all these negative things that we experience in this life, none of that's going to be there in heaven. Heaven is the best that's yet to come. In this life, right? This life is preparation for this place. And last week I unpacked for you a little bit in John 14. This place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. It's a place called heaven. Sometimes people think that heaven is just this state of mind that you're going to be in. Or this cloud that you'll just float around with. And play your harp. No. It's a literal place. By the way, this is a pet peeve of mine. Whenever heaven is referenced in writings, it's a pet peeve of mine when someone does not capitalize the H. You say, well, that's kind of petty. What's a pet peeve of mine? Let me ask you. If you're going to write about O'Fallon, Illinois, do you capitalize the O? Yes. Do you capitalize the I for Illinois? Yes. And why do you do that? Because they are what? Yeah. It's a 
place. It's a proper place. And you capitalize the first letter of that place. Guys, heaven is not just a state of mind. It is a literal place that we're going to. For, so from now on, and I don't care what the professor at a university may tell you about you don't capitalize H for heaven. You tell them they're wrong because heaven is a place. It's a literal place where we are going. So I always capitalize the H whenever I write anything about heaven because the best is yet to come, right? Think about it. We pave our roads with Cold patch, asphalt, concrete, potholes everywhere on our roads, right? And we think we've got it good because we're not riding around on dirt roads. Let me tell you something, honey. There's so much more that's yet to come that's far better than anything we've ever experienced in this life. So here's what I want you to know. Whenever someone passes away that is a believer in Jesus Christ, that is a Christ follower, that is a Christian, don't grieve for them. You may grieve because you miss their physical presence here in this earth. And I completely understand that. But they are in a far better place than we could ever imagine for ourselves. Are you with me? So let me share with you a few more things here about heaven. That's some of the physical things that are there. Let me share with you some things that will be involved whenever we go to heaven. Five things I want to hit real quickly, and I don't have time to drill down much on these. But the first thing I want you to get, fill in the blank, it's the word review. Heaven will involve a review. So whenever we go to heaven, there's going to be a review process that's going to take place. As soon as we get there, the very first thing on the schedule is the judgment seat of Christ. Guys, do you realize that every single one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Now, whenever I say this, I want you to understand the judgment seat of Christ, get this, is only for believers. The great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. Are you with me? There's two different judgments that are going to take place in Scripture. I don't have time to unpack all of it with this, but I want you to understand that. Every single one of us that are believers in Jesus Christ, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ where only believers stand and are judged. Now, the judgment that's going to take place there is not whether we're going to spend eternity in heaven or not. That's already been taken care of back in this life whenever we trust Jesus as our Savior. That's not what's taken place at the judgment seat of Christ. That has already transpired. Get it? Good. The great white throne judgment where unbelievers will stand, there they're going to be judged for their salvation. And many of them are going to try to get into heaven because of their good works. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And those individuals will be cast into the lake of fire. We will not, as Christians, stand at that judgment. And you ought to say hallelujah right there. Are you with me? The judgment we will stand at as believers and Christians 
is the judgment seat of Christ. This is the review process that's going to be taking place. And you know what's going to be judged? Our works. Stay with me. It's not our works for salvation. Don't misunderstand me. Our works for salvation will lead us to the great white throne judgment if that's all we're trusting in. But our works as a believer will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, not whether we had good enough works to get to heaven or not, because none of us do. We can only get to heaven by trusting Christ as our Savior. So what is the purpose of judging our works? And by the way, it's going to be more than just our works that are going to be judged here. It's the motive or the intent of the work that we're doing since we become a Christian. So everybody say motive. Your motives are going to be judged. Your intent is going to be judged. So whenever we accept Christ as our personal Savior, and let's just say this is the cross, we come to the cross, we kneel there, we repent of our sins, we trust Christ as our Savior. Now what we are to do as Christians, we're to leave the cross and go and do good works because we were at the cross and we're doing good works in the name of Jesus for His sake to further His kingdom and His cause and His good word and good deed, right? Those works that we're doing, the intent and the motive of those works will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. And by the way, and I don't have time to unpack this either, there are five crowns that are mentioned in Scripture that we as believers can earn. After we've trusted Christ as our personal Savior, then we can work for some crowns. Scripture talks about the saints laying what at his feet? Crowns at his feet. I don't know about you, but I want as many crowns as I can get to lay at his feet for what he's done for me. Right? So I want to be sure that my motives are pure for why I am doing what I'm doing. So I'm going to ask you a question. Church, why do you do what you do? Whenever you work and serve in ministry, whenever you work and serve in the name of Christ, whenever you work and serve because you're a believer, let me ask you, why are you doing that? Are you doing it maybe for a position in the church? Your your motives will be judged on that day, and you'll be found wanting in that day. Because everything will be exposed on that day. Are you with me? Get it? All right, I've got to move on. I would like to unpack that a little more, but maybe, we, maybe, maybe somebody will have a question about that. And we'll unpack that a little further, okay? The judgment seat of Christ. There will be a review in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. For we must all... Now, there it says, you say, preacher, it says everybody will in 2 Corinthians 5 10. Well, let's do our homiletics here and our hermeneutics. Let's rightly divide the word of truth. Who is it that Paul is speaking to? Who did he address this letter to? The the who? The church at Corinth. He's addressing this letter to believers. His brothers and sisters in Christ. He's talking to Christians here. So he says that we all, as believers in Christ... We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he's done in the body, whether good or bad. And following that's going to be the great marriage feast of the Lamb. And you can see more about that in Scripture. So I want you to know the first thing that's going to take place when we get to heaven is the review. 
The next thing that's going to take place when we get to heaven now is going to involve records. You know that God is a good record keeper? There hasn't been one idle word spoken or thought thought of or action done that God has not taken note of in your life, in my life, in the life of everybody that's ever lived. All the way down to our motives and the intent of our heart. We are completely transparent before the Lord. He sees and knows everything. Now, the records are going to be opened up in Revelation 21, 27. It says, nothing profane will enter it, enter it be in heaven. No one, who, no one who does what is vile or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written there? Now, there's a deep theological debate on when the names are actually written, and I'm not even going to unpack that. The main thing you need to know is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? And pity the soul whose name is not written or found in the record of the Lamb's book of life. And Revelation 20 and verse 15 says, And anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Listen, church. You can have your name on every church roll in every town across America and miss heaven and not have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. It's important that your name is written there. It's not so important that your name is written as a member of Victory Church, right? All that would do is give you voting privileges on the four meetings we've had in 20 years. We don't do a lot of that, right? Yeah, I'm part of that group, right? That won't get you far. Matter of fact, you can take that, that your name is written as a member of Victory Church and a $10 bill and get you a small coffee at Starbucks. Or you can go to McDonald's and get 10, which is what I choose, okay? I won't tell you why. That's another subject, okay? Anyway, here we go. Heaven will involve records. It will also involve rewards. And I've already mentioned that briefly. But heaven is a place of rewards. And Jesus spoke about that on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 12. He says, be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. You know what heaven can be for all of us? It's our, it's our safe deposit box that's far more secure than any safe deposit box that we would have in any bank here in this world. So we can lay up treasures there. And we can, that's what Matthew 6 and 20 says. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break through and steal. So heaven's going to be a place of rewards. Heaven's also going to be a place of rejoicing. Write this one down. A place of rejoicing. In Luke chapter 15 and verse number 7, I feel you are all over it, son. Man, I'm going to miss him when he's gone. Maybe there's a reason I won't go there. <laughs> Not from the platform. <laughs> Luke 15 and verse number 7. And there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. This leads me to believe that there are some announcements made in heaven of what's taking place here. And there's joy over one sinner that repents. And so it's a place of rejoicing. You can go over in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5 and you can see all the rejoicing that's taking place there. And I don't have time to unpack that. But what an amazing place it's going to be. Let me close with this last one. Heaven's also going to be a place of reunion. What do I mean about that? 
And I love this scripture in 2 Samuel 12, in verse 23. Let me put the scripture in context of what's taking place. King David had lost his son. His son had died. And he was grieving over the death of his son. And he says this in 2 Samuel 12 and 23. He said, but now that he, talking about his son, is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? He's kind of a rhetorical question. He's asking himself. Obviously, he cannot. But he says, I would go to him, but he would never return to me. So even David, back in the Old Testament, is referencing going to see his son again. Guys, you realize that heaven's going to be a place of reunion? Now I want you to think about every loved one, every family member, every friend, every Christian that you know that has died and gone on to be with the Lord. Do you know that one day, one day you'll see them again? What a glad reunion day that's going to be when we see our loved ones. Mainly when we see Christ, but when we renew all of those old acquaintances, all of those friends and those loved ones who have died, we're going to know them when we get to heaven. They're going to know us and we're going to have a reunion with our loved ones that have died and gone on before. What an amazing time that is going to be. You see, I was just a boy. I was just a young boy when my great-grandpa passed away, George Cannon. And all I have are his old Bibles and some old photos of him and his bib overalls, blue jean overalls, and a white shirt. And he couldn't read at all, but he had my great-grandmother read to him the Bible every evening, and especially on Saturday night because he pastored a little country church back in North Carolina. And he would get up on Sunday mornings and he would preach in that little country church. He couldn't read a lick, but my great-grandmother would read to him on Saturday night before he would stand and preach to the congregation on Sunday morning. And he just preached from memory what my great-grandmother had read to him. I'm looking forward. And by the way, he's short and bald-headed, or he was when he was here. right? So I can't wait one day to see him. And sit down with him. And we can compare sermons that we've preached all these years apart. But he's there. And I'm going to see him one day. He's also the great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, obviously, my dad's grandfather. My dad used to tell me stories that when my dad was in high school and, and he would be out in areas where he shouldn't be, that he would come out of those locations and he would see his grandpa on the street corner holding up his Bible, just preaching on the street of the little country town that we lived in about how those boys should not be in that place. Right? I look forward to meeting him. I I was just a little, I've got some pictures of me running around, just a little guy, but I don't remember him. I remember going to his place for chicken and dumplings every Sunday evening after church. I remember the chicken and dumplings, but I was just a little guy. I don't remember. I remember the event. I don't even remember the dumplings, right? But I'm going to see him. I want you to think about your loved one. Think about your grandparents, maybe possibly your parents, possibly your siblings and friends and relatives and neighbors and all these folks that you know. You're going to see them again in heaven. What a glad reunion day that is going to be when we get to see our loved ones again in heaven. Last thing I want you to know is this. And this is what I shared with you last week. But I want you to really get a hold of this. Heaven is a prepared place. For a prepared people. You will not accidentally get to heaven. You won't stumble into heaven. 
You'll get there because you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So I want to close with this slide. Keep your fork because the best is yet to come. Amen? Now I've given you some amazing study notes and God for you to go dig that out even more. Read those chapters. Read those scriptures. Dig in there even more. And you'll too be able to dig out some more about what the Bible has to say about heaven. And guys, I know without a shadow of a doubt that that's where I'm going. I know that. And it's not because of any good deeds or anything that I've done. It's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and me placing my trust in him. So my question is, have you done that? Have you given your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? And looking around the room, I believe most in here, if not all, have done that. And if you're not sure that you've done that, let's just take a moment right now and bow our heads. Because I want you to keep your fork. Because the best is yet to come. But the best is only yet to come if you know Christ as your Savior. So let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for our time together today. Thank you that the best is yet to come. Thank you that you've gone to prepare this place for us. And Scripture says if you go and prepare this place for us, that you will come again and receive us unto yourself, that where you are, there we can be also. Father, we're looking forward to that day. But Lord, there's one here today that, that does not know for sure that they can make heaven their home. My prayer is right now that they would look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, the redeemer of all of mankind, the savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. They would look to you. And realize that you died on the cross for their sin. You paid their sin debt. You were buried. You rose again. You ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And there you're making intercession for every one of us. Help us, Lord, to repent of our sins. And trust in the finished work of the cross for our salvation. We trust in you, Lord, as our Savior. Not in ourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you've prayed that prayer in the past or you just prayed that prayer today, I want to say welcome to the family of God. That's really all it is. Childlike faith in the person of Jesus Christ and knowing him. So now, every time you look at a fork, I want it to be a gentle reminder that the best is yet to come. Amen? Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360, or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.